0: Prophecies foretell the soon coming day of the Lord. For some, it will be the best day of their life, and for others, it's going to be the worst. We will analyze the day of the Lord and the events surrounding this prophecy on this edition of End of the Age. Everybody, And thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. It's a very talked about subject recently, the Day of the Lord. We get a lot of correspondence concerning this topic. The Day of the Lord is simply the day of God's wrath. It's also the time of the second coming of Jesus to establish his physical kingdom on the earth for the next 1,000 years. And as we go along, you will see that these two events happen simultaneously. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. This is Revelation one ten. Well, what does John mean when he says, I was on the Isle of Patmos in the Spirit on the Lord's day? You know, some people have interpreted that term, the Lord's day, to mean Sunday. Others say that the Sabbath is Saturday, and that it's the Lord's day. But what does this really mean? Well, the term the day of the Lord is used throughout the Bible and throughout Bible prophecy specifically as the day when Jesus will return to this earth, overthrow the thrones of men, and execute wrath upon the people of the earth. That's when we will crown him King of kings and Lord of lords. And John said, I was in the spirit and I saw the Lord's day. I saw the taking over of the world by Jesus Christ himself. You'll remember the the prophet Zechariah said that in in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. So this verse refers to the day of the Lord. The passage goes on to say... Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And this will happen at the second coming, which is also known as the day of the Lord. Like I said, you'll see that these are one simultaneous event. They happen at the same time. So throughout scripture, God's wrath is mentioned many times. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 23, it tells us that the Lord destroyed the cities of Sodom, Gomorrah, Admon, Zeboim. The Bible says, which the Lord overthrew his anger and his wrath. And as the Lord poured out the plagues on Egypt, preparing for the exodus of the Israelites, Psalm seventy eight forty nine tells us, he cast upon them the fierceness of his anger, wrath and indignation and trouble by sending evil angels among them. And then another passage, the Lord's wrath waxed hot against the children of Israel in Exodus 32, 10 through 11. His wrath was kindled against Israel in Numbers eleven thirty-three. So these are specific examples of the wrath of God upon mankind. However, there is a specific time of God's wrath prophesied for the future and it's referred to many times throughout scripture as the day of the Lord. Old Testament and new. Now one would think having witnessed the judgments of God, people living during that time and have themselves been put through the wrath of God that men would fear the Lord, repent, and align themselves with his word to avoid that wrath, right? However, the Bible tells us that it is in man's heart to do evil because judgment is not executed immediately. Revelation chapter 16, verse 9 through 11 states that, and men were scorched with a great heat. Now, this is during the wrath of God that's being poured out. Revelation chapter 16 Bible says, and when men were scorched with a great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had the power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain, but they blasphemed God, and because of their pains and their sores, and they still repented not of their deeds but this is not always going to be the case currently the lord is giving mankind a season to repent however the time is coming when those who do not renounce their wicked ways will face the judgment of the lord second peter chapter 3 verse 9 through 10 says the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The Bible prophesies that in the near future, God will pour out his wrath again, and the Bible says that he will be justified in doing so. We're talking about The day of the Lord. It's just in the very near future, and we've got to make sure that we are ready at that time. Now, there are many synonymous terms used to describe the end time wrath of God. Like I've been talking about the day of the Lord, the Bible says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both wrath and fierce anger, to, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. That's Isaiah thirteen nine. The Bible also says the day of wrath. The Bible says, because, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. That's Romans chapter 2, verse 5. And then also it says the day of his wrath. Revelation sixteen seven says, for the great day of his wrath has come, who shall be able to stand? Nobody will be able to escape if God wants to pour his wrath out upon those individuals. The Bible also calls it the great wine press of the wrath of God. Revelation fourteen nineteen says, and the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Yes, God is love. But God is also a God of judgment. And the day of his wrath is just ahead of us. We've got to make sure that we've prepared ourselves to meet the Lord. That our name is in the Lamb's book of life. And we're ready to meet the Lord upon that day. Because we do not want to be appointed unto his wrath At that time, it's very important, the day of the Lord.
1: Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Volume 1, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10 part definitive DVD series and 268 page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation. Featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations, you'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME. Or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study.
2: We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith. In the hearts of Christians around the world, we will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com.
0: You know, everyone, there are other passages that provide clues to the events that will occur when the wrath of God is poured out in the end time. Then Reve- the, um, Revelation eleven fifteen 15 through 18 says, and the seventh angel sounded, this will be the last trump, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and 20 elders which sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and here it is, everybody, and thy wrath is come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou should give reward unto the servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Now, this is an account at the seventh trumpet of the rapture and the second coming and the wrath of God at the battle of Armageddon. So again, I told you as we go throughout, throughout this uh, lesson that these are going to happen simultaneously at the same time. And this happens when the seventh or the last trump sounds... And then there is, of course, the seven vials account, which is Revelation 16. The Bible starts in uh, Revelation uh, 15. It begins to talk about this. The Bible says in Revelation 15:7, And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, or some translations say bowls, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. So from these passages, many questions arise when discussing this. um, It's a very ominous prophecy. Will every person suffer from the wrath of God when it is poured out? That's one question. And when will it occur? And is it a global event? These are questions on, on, on everybody's mind if you study Bible prophecy at all. And these answers and more are actually found in the most detailed account of God's wrath, which is found in the book of Revelation, the seven vials. And we'll talk about some of that as we go along. One of the things I wanted to interject here that there's a lot of questions over, and that's the armies of heaven that will fight on the day of the Lord. They're talked about very specifically in Joel chapter 2 that describes a heavenly army who will fight on behalf of Israel when the Lord returns. In Joel chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, it states this, and I'm quoting Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the earth of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. A day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and and of thick darkness, as the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people. Now, this is talking about the army of heaven right here. A great people and a strong, there hath not ever been like these. Neither shall there ever be any more like it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as the garden of Eden before them, and behind them is a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, and they shall run. Like the noise of the chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame and a fire that devoureth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face, the people shall be much pained, all their faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men, they shall climb the wall like men of war, and they shall march every one on his ways, and they shall not break their ranks, neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And they shall fall upon the sword and not be wounded. Imagine fighting an army where you would shoot somebody point-blank and they just keep coming at you. That's what the armies of the Lord will be like when He fights on behalf of Israel at the Battle of Armageddon. The Bible goes on to say in Joel 2, that they shall run to and fro in the city, and they shall run upon the wall, they shall climb up on the houses, they shall enter in at the windows like a thief the earth shall quake before them the heavens shall tremble the sun and the moon shall be dark the stars shall withdraw their shining the lord shall utter his voice before his army for his camp is very great for he is doing for he is strong that executeth his word for the day of the lord here is it here it is again is great and very terrible and who can abide it you say well who is the armies of the Lord here? Well these are the immortal saints. Zechariah 14:5 says, "And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee." Jude chapter 1 verse 14, "Behold the Lord cometh with 10,000s of his saints." Revelation 19:14, and the armies which were in heaven followed upon him with white horses clothed with fine linen, white and clean. So the armies that come with the Lord to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon will be the saints, the immortal saints that have been raptured. We come with the Lord to fight on behalf of Israel at that time. And I don't know about you, but I know that my goal is to be part of that army. I want to be one of those that are raptured. I want to have made myself ready to have been born again, have my name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I want to be with him when he comes back to fight against those world-governing armies that have gathered themselves against the nation of Israel for the last battle on earth, the Battle of Armageddon. Now, Let's talk a little bit about Satan's wrath versus God's wrath. I wanted to clear up a a common misconception here. Because a lot of people get these things twisted up and they talk about different wars and things that are happening. And it has been taught that the great tribulation is the wrath of God in the end time. However... Scripture clearly teaches that the great tribulation is the wrath of Satan, not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is in Revelation 16, and that's when the seven vials of the wrath of God are poured out. Now, the wrath of God is mentioned many times throughout the Bible, the day of the Lord, the wrath of God. But the great tribulation in the end time is not the wrath of God. That's the wrath of Satan. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 through 8, the Bible says, uh, and we're told here of an account where that Satan and his angels will launch a war against God and His angels, and this is going to be Satan's last ditch effort to overthrow God before He Himself is bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. The Bible says in Revelation 12 that Satan will be defeated. Michael and his archangels will overcome Satan defeat him and his punishment for the ultimate rebellion will be his banishment from appearing in heaven ever again and his confinement to the earth. Up until this time, Satan has enjoyed access to heaven where he regularly accuses God's people. Uh, One example of this would be when he appeared before God to give an account in Job chapter 1, the Bible says the sons of God appeared before God to give an account and Satan was with them. So the casting down of Satan is described in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. So Satan's confinement to the earth is then recorded in uh, Revelation 12, verse 13. The Bible says, uh, let me start in Revelation 12, 12, and then we'll go to 13. The Bible says, um, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth, that's you and me, and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, he's ban- banished to the earth, and he has great wrath. This is very important because this is going to talk about the great tribulation. The Bible says he's come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. And when the dragon or Satan saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman, which in that chapter is Israel. The woman with the 12 stars around her head is symbolic of Israel. And the Bible says, which brought forth the man child, symbolic of Jesus Christ. And so we learn several things from this passage. It's a very important parenthetical chapter in the book of Revelation. When Satan is confined to the earth, he knows that he has but a short time left and he's filled with great wrath. He has no more access to heaven he comes down having great wrath. He launches great persecution upon the earth and specifically against the woman or Israel. The woman is described early in the chapter as having a crown of 12 stars upon her head. And the woman is Israel. The 12 stars are the 12 tribes of Israel. This is written in symbolism. And then Revelation twelve fourteen tells us what happened next. The Bible says, and to the woman or Israel is given two wings of a great eagle, which we believe is the United States of America. Again, this is written in symbolism, but other prophecies tell us that. So she's carried away on two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into her place, into the wilderness, where she is nourished for time, times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. So from this, we know that Israel will be protected by two wings of a great eagle, in our opinion, in the United States, and she will fly into her place. Where's Israel's place on the entire planet? Of course, it's the promised land. And she's going to be protected there during the time of the great tribulation. And we also are told the length of the great tribulation here, along with many other passages, that the great tribulation is three and one half years, time, is one year times two years and half a time, which is half a year or three and a half years. Other places tell us that it's 1,260 days or uh, 42 months. So they all describe a three and one half year great tribulation. Now, you understand that when Satan tries to war against Jews in Israel proper, not the West Bank, but in Israel proper, and he cannot do that, he will then resort to persecuting Jews and Christians around the world. Uh, Revelation twelve seventeen, the Bible says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, again Israel, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this verse distinctly says that the dragon, Satan, will make war against the woman, Israel, but, uh, but against the, the remnant of her seed, and which keeps the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So wherever the Antichrist is and his world government, again, this is very near in the future now, and his world government has power Jews and true Christians will be subjected to the persecutions of the great tribulation. And this passage leaves no doubt whatsoever. The great tribulation is the wrath of Satan, not the wrath of God. The wrath of God, which is, again, the day of the Lord. That's going to be poured out later at the battle of Armageddon, which occurs at the very end of the great tribulation. The Bible's very, very clear on this. So the next question is, when does all of this take place, right? So the book of Revelation, it's very important that you understand the segmentation of this. Because if you try to say, well, all of this happens during the, uh, the entire uh, uh, the, like the seals, trumpets, and vials all happened during the final seven years, then you're going to kind of be messed up a little bit. So let me explain this to you. I'll give you the interpretation of all of this, and it will help you when you're studying these things. The book of Revelation is divided into three segments. John was told in Revelation 119, John, write the things which you have seen, the things which are presently 2,000 years ago on the earth during John's era, and then we want you to and then I want you, the Lord is saying, I want you to write the things which shall be hereafter. So Revelation chapter one is a vision that John had saw. Chapters two and three are letters written to churches in existence 2,000 years ago. And then the prophetic portion of revelation begins in chapter four verse one. So when you're trying to figure out the book of Revelation and the timing and when everything happens it is imperative that you understand the th- the three segments the segmentation of the book of Revelation. Now again, let's refocus here. What are we talking about? We're talking about the day of the Lord, the time of God's wrath that's poured out upon the earth and the timing of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's very important, again, to know the segmentation of the book of Revelation and then the skeletal structure, which we'll get into in just a moment.
3: Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search Into the H Plus in the App Store or Google Play.
0: of the Lord and the timing of the day of the Lord. When does that occur? Remember, you need to understand the segmentation. Revelation 119, John, write the things which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will be hereafter. Well, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 begins the prophetic segment of the book of Revelation. Bible says in Revelation 4 1, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, John, come up hither, and I will show you things which will be hereafter. Now, this is a major turning point. I've got to make sure that you get this. A major turning point that many people miss. It is a key area that has caused many to misinterpret the segmentation or the timing of of a lot of the book of Revelation. And another very important thing to understand is that the future is described in four different ways through the the four major categories of events in the book of Revelation. These categories form sort of a, a skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. They are the seven seals, the seven thunders, the seven trumpets and the seven vials. And although the seals, trumpets, and vials are explained in some length, the thunders are not explained at all. John John said, and when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write down what they had uttered, but I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, John, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. That's Revelation 10, 4. So God only allowed John to write what he wanted understood. So the structural elements of the book of Revelation are revealed when you compare the seals, the trumpets, and the vials. The seals are the very long story. They, started, they began to be opened all the way back in about 300, 325 A.D., and, but they end with the second coming of Jesus Christ back to the earth. The trumpets are a shorter story or a series of events that end at the same time, the second coming. And then the vials or the bowls of the wrath of God, which have not begun to occur yet, they're the very short story ending at the same time, the second coming in the battle of Armageddon. So each of these structural elements begin at different times, but they all end at the same time. And it proves conclusively, this is very important that the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. Now, of these, I want to analyze the fourth and the final narrative dealing with the wrath of God. It's the the very detailed version. The seven vials are filled up with the wrath of God. Now, the wrath of God is mentioned in the other elements, the seals, trumpets, but it's the details given in the vials. So the Bible says, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of gla- glass, having the harps of God. It's Revelation 15, one through two. It's the beginning of this final narrative that we talked about. Well, John said, after that, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle, of the testimony in heaven was open and the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues clothed in pure white linen, And having their breasts girded with golden girdles, and one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. That's Revelation 15, five through eight. So remember... The great tribulation is the wrath of Satan, not the wrath of God. And at this point on the prophetic timeline, we will be at the end of the great tribulation and the seven vials of the wrath of God are ready to be poured out. So how do you know? Because remember, we're talking about the timing of the day of the Lord. When does that occur? So how do we know it's after the great tribulation? Well, the very first vial provides the answer for that. The first vial is that um, the angels are commanded to pour out the wrath of God upon the earth. The Bible says, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and griefsome sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them that worshipped his image. That's uh, Revelation 16, 1 and 2. So the prophecy does not provide a clear description of the plague itself. However, it does reveal, it does reveal the, uh, the timing of this. Notice that the very first vial cannot be poured out until the mark of the beast has been administered, right? Other passages tell us the mark of the beast is implemented during the Great Tribulation, that three and one half year period, the final three and one half years. And and the reign of the Antichrist, which is when the mark of the beast is doled out, which is within that final three and one half year period prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. And the Bible says, and power was given unto him, the Antichrist, to continue... um, 42 months it's the great tribulation again and the Bible says it was given unto him to make war with the Saints and to Overcome them. That's back in uh, Revelation thirteen five through 7. So it's talking about the great tribulation and the timing of all of this so It's at the very end of the final seven years And the final three and one and a half years which is the great tribulation It's at the very end of this great tribulation period when the vows will be executed and God's wrath will be poured out upon the earth. And from this, we know the day of the Lord will occur immediately after the great tribulation. Now, another very important part that I wanted to talk about was that the second coming occurs at the day of the Lord. The, in, the entirety of the Bible centers around two main events. The first and second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. At his first coming, Jesus came to purchase a plan of salvation which would allow human beings to spend eternity with him as immortals. And this was accomplished at Calvary when Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. The redemption plan is called being born again. This is how you would prepare yourself for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says we're not appointed unto the wrath of God. That's very true. Those that have been born again, the wrath of God will not be poured out upon them. Now, for a detailed explanation of this salvation plan, you can call one 800 End 363-8463, and ask for the free brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? Or you can simply visit endtime.com. And it's right there on the home page. But very important, Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 3, that anyone who was not born again would not make it to heaven. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. So at his second coming, Jesus Christ will return both to take those individuals who have been born again to be with him And then to execute judgment on those who have not. Now, most folks acknowledge that Jesus did not come to, that that he did come 2,000 years ago. Most people would acknowledge that. And many have a a decent grasp on the events that occurred during his life here on earth. You know about his miracles. They know about his, um, the, the death, burial, and resurrection. Most people go to church on Easter, right? Well, But having ministered here at End Time Ministries for several years, I have found that the opposite is true when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Opinions range far and wide concerning many aspects of this future mystical event. And even though the second coming is foretold many places throughout the Bible, some have even questioned whether it will occur at all. But thankfully, the Bible provides us with a very clear understanding of this future event. And it's going to happen. Just like all the prophecies have occurred up to this point, the second coming will occur in just the very near future. Even the angels prophesied the return of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven. He died, buried, raises again. He ascends into heaven, and while the disciples stood staring up into the sky, two men in white apparel stood by them and said, Hey, um, this is Acts chapter 111. Hey, ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, he's going to come again in like manner, just as you have seen him going to heaven. And this was the promise that Jesus would return to the earth. But the disciples, however, they had no idea that it would take 2,000 years for the promise to be fulfilled. And though it, it still has not happened, and it has already been close to 2,000 years since it, it was given, this prophecy was given, it's going to happen. The promise of Jesus' return is firm. He is coming again. And oh, don't you want to be ready, folks? I want to be ready. I want to have my name in the Lamb's book alive so when he comes and that trumpet sounds, if if I haven't went by way of the grave, my feet will leave the ground. If I'm in the grave, the Bible says, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then they which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And that's my goal, and I hope that's your goal too. And we want to make sure that you're ready to meet him. Call 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463. Get that brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? Or go to e n d t i m e endtime.com, and it's right there on the homepage. Go all the way to the bottom, What Do You Mean Born Again? So, the rapture at the last trump. We're talking about the timing of all of this. The day of the Lord when his wrath is going to be poured out, but it's also when the second coming occurs. Remember, I told you and I proved to you scripturally that it happens immediately after the tribulation of those days. I did that by using the first vial in Revelation chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. The first vial is poured out upon those who received the mark of the beast during the, the Great Tribulation. So the the vials are poured out at the end of the Great Tribulation. But remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty-four, verses twenty-nine through thirty-one. He said, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars will fall from heaven, powers of heaven shall be shaken, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Shall all the tribes of the earth mourn? They shall see the Son of Man coming in the crowds of heaven with great glory and he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So the vows of the wrath of God will be poured out at the end of the great tribulation. But the second coming of Jesus happens, just like Jesus said, at the end of the great tribulation. So it's a simultaneous event. And so, but it's important that we get the timing of this down because we're talking about the day of the Lord.
4: Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com.
0: So, at the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Every eye will see him, Revelation 1-7. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet to gather his elect. Matthew 24, verse 40 says this about the second coming. It says, then two shall be in a field. One's going to be taken, the other's left. Remember, I told you it's going to be the best day for some and the worst day for others. Imagine being left behind. And imagine what it's going to be uh, like working alongside or riding beside somebody, talking to somebody in a car who suddenly disappears. I mean, the people in these verses are depicted as participating in activities that were common for that day and place. I mean, they, the, um, Jesus, had uh, the, he was prophesying about things he'd never seen. There weren't cars back then, in other words. But it is used in his example to explain that people will be living out their, their daily lives and doing normal things when Jesus returns. Luke chapter 17, 34 says, I tell you, in that night, there shall be two men in a bed. One shall be taken, the other left. And it's going to be a marvelous moment for those who are taken, but it's going to be unbelievably frightening for those who are left behind, especially those who have been told but had not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul also taught that the rapture would occur at the last Trump in First Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible says, uh, this will be First Thessalonians 4:13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. The Bible often refers to people who are saved and then died as being asleep. Because for believers, death was considered just temporary. So Paul continues on in verse 14 and he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus or are dead in Jesus... Will God bring with him? And Paul was saying that those who believe Jesus uh, died and rose again, who died in Jesus, and have the Spirit of Jesus, will be brought forth from the grave like Jesus was. And then Paul goes on in Thessalonians uh, 4, verse 15 through 16, he says, For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that uh, we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. So the second coming of Jesus will be uh, the, the most dramatic event that's ever occurred. And then verse 16 says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. So Christians who are alive on the earth at the time of the second coming... Once the dead in Christ have risen, we also will rise together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one through 54, he said, But I show you a mystery or, or a secret. We shall not all sleep. Not, not all people are going to die. People who serve Jesus will be alive. There will be people that serve Jesus that are alive when the Lord returns. And then Paul goes on to say, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. This is the seventh trump in Revelation chapter 11. Same thing. And there are many that teach that, the, they, that uh, those who serve the Lord will simply disappear at the last trump. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says that we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. doesn't say that we will be raptured in the moment of the twinkling of body. Remember how Jesus went up. The Bible says they watched him go, and then a cloud consumed him. And then verse 52 of 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, For the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, which means the dead are gonna get they're gonna be given uh, immortal bodies, and we that are alive and remain shall be changed. And then Paul continues in verse 53, and he says, For this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality. The Latin word uh, mortal means um, to die. So to be mortal means to have the ability to die. This mortal body which can die will put on immortality, a new body that cannot die. And then the Bible goes on to say, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. When the last trumpet sounds, the bodies of those still alive will be changed from mortal to immortal, and then we are caught up, our feet's gonna leave the ground, just like Jesus has left the ground at at the Mount of Olives that day, back in Acts chapter one. And those dead in Christ will rise. Then those who are alive will go together with the dead to meet the Lord in the air. And then the Bible says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So then that brings us to the revealing of Jesus Christ. It's what the book of Revelation is all about. Revelation tells several accounts of Christ's second coming from different uh, perspectives or different angles. So you understand that the sixth seal, that's the second coming and the battle of Armageddon where the wrath is poured out. The seventh trumpet is the second coming and the wrath. The simultaneous harvest is in Revelation chapter 14. That's the second coming and the wrath of God. Remember, I talked about the wine press of the wrath of God. And then the marriage of the lamb. Uh, in Re- when you talk about the vials of the wrath of God, reads right over into chapter 19 about the marriage of the lamb. That's the second coming. Then go down to the bottom of Revelation 19. That's the, that's the battle of Armageddon again. So they're all, they all happen at the same time. So the main message today in all of this, why I wanted to talk to you is about the, the day of the Lord. This coming ominous prophecy for those who have not made themselves ready. The Bible says there will be those that are taken, but there also will be those that are left behind. That's not something you want to be a part of. I know there's a lot of teachings out there about different things concerning taken and left behind and all these other things, but you want to be part of the rapture. The Bible says during the 1,000 year millennial reign, the church will rule and reign as kings and priests with the Lord for 1,000 years. You want to be part of the rapture at that point. So how do you do that? Well... The main message today is, is be ye also ready. In the near future, as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, it's not going to be like it was the first time Jesus came. And it's going to be as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, the clouds are going to roll back. Revelation chapter 6 says, as a scroll, when it's rolled together, it's going to roll back, and Jesus will return to the earth And it's prophesied to occur and the prophecies always come to pass. And it's going to be a great time of separation. There won't be any gray areas. The the Lord's not going to be up there scratching his head going, Hmm, I wonder if this person should make it. I wonder if this person should not. That's not how it's going to be. The Lord is going to know. The Bible says he checks your heart every moment. The Lord's not going to make any mistakes. There's no gray areas. Every human being on Earth will either be a wheat. Remember the simultaneous harvest in Matthew 13, the wheat and the tares? Well, at that point, every human being on the earth will either be a wheat or you're going to be a tare. You're either going to be a sheep or a goat. The harvest of the vine, Revelation 14, the harvest of the vine of the earth. you're either going to be a saint. Or you're going to be a sinner. The Bible's very clear on these things, everyone. And to some, like I said, it's, to some it's going to be the best day of their life. To others, it's going to be the worst day. I mean, to some, Jesus will return as a loving bridegroom, receiving his bride to spend eternity with him. But to others, the Bible says in Thessalonians that he will come in flaming fire taking vengeance upon, that known upon them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been presented the gospel in your life, obey the gospel. It's absolutely imperative that you do that. You've got to make yourself ready to meet the Lord. How do you obey the gospel? You're born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You know, at his first coming, Jesus gave his life to purchase a plan of salvation so that all would have an opportunity to make themselves ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ. He knew he was coming back. The angels prophesied about his second coming, and it's all throughout. The Old and the New Testament. And he then told us to be ready, Matthew 24, 44. He said, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. The question today are you ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? Are you a wheat or are you a tear? Are you a sheep? Are you a goat? Are you a saint or a sinner? It's the most important question you'll ever ask yourself. Am I ready for the second coming of Jesus Christ? When Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and he spoke to Jesus, Jesus didn't bring up anything else. He just cut straight to the chase and he said, look, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again there was nothing more important on his mind that he could talk to this religious leader in Israel about. He said, you've got to be born again. In other words, you've got to make yourself ready because I'm coming back someday. And Nicodemus, you'll be in the grave. And I want you to come out of the grave at that point. But if you want to see my kingdom, my physical kingdom that I'm coming to set up, for 1, 000, the 1,000-year millennial reign. If you want to be a part of my kingdom and spend eternity with me, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. And that the same message that Jesus Christ told Nicodemus is the Jesus Christ was constantly talking about the gospel of the kingdom of God. What is the gospel of the kingdom of God? It's simply that the God of heaven is coming back before very long to establish his kingdom here on the earth Let me show you how to be a part of that kingdom. Jesus Christ was constantly teaching parables about the coming kingdom of God. Well, the message has never changed, folks. Jesus' message was the gospel of the kingdom of God. When he sent his disciples out, guess what he told them to preach? The gospel of the kingdom of God. And so the message has never changed, nor will it ever change to true Christians. My message today to you is the gospel of the kingdom of God. Folks, the God of heaven is coming back before very long to tear down human governments and establish his government here on the earth. The Bible tells us that many times, back in the book of Daniel and in the book of Revelation, human governments going to be done away with. All these world governing empires is going to be gone. And God's going to establish his kingdom here on the earth. The Bible says that kingdom will never pass away. So the most important thing in your life is that you're ready to meet the Lord on that day. And that you become a part of that kingdom. Again, if you'd like the brochure, what do you mean born again? Call 1-800-END-TIME. 1-800-363-8463. Or go to our website, endtime.com. Right down at the bottom of the homepage, there's a question. What do you mean born again? It's the most important thing in your life. God bless each and every one, and thank you for joining me on End of the Age.
2: This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information...